Um, and so there's just this constant reminding of ourselves of what this amazing calling that God has placed on our lives. And namely, it is this, that God in His holy wisdom has chosen to give each of us who are Christians a significant role in people coming to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord and then growing in devotion in their following of Him. That's an amazing thing that the God of the universe would entrust this to people like me and you, but He has. And it's, it's a calling and it's a role that is uh, easy to move away from and get busy about so many other callings and so many other roles. Uh, so I'm sure most of us heading into this year, just knowing something about uh, you, that you have visions and you have goals for this year. You have them personally. Um, you have them in friendships. You have them in marriage. You have them with your children. I mean, I've got written out vision and goals for this year that uh, I share with the elders and and work to be held accountable to so that I don't get caught up in a whole bunch of other things that are subsidiary to those. Uh, we have goals for our children. So for example, John, we have a goal for him this next semester at Golden West and what we're looking for there and what he's working towards there. And, and, and so we have all of these things on our plate. But it's important to know what's to add the flavor to all of those. And what's to add the flavor to all of those is us being a part of helping other people come to know Jesus and follow Jesus. I mean, that's, that is the flavor that is to flavor all of that. If I can tick off all my administrative tasks for this year, but I haven't done that, this year may look really good, and I may feel good, but it is adding up to nothing eternally. And so, it's important for us to keep reminding ourselves of this. And as I mentioned last year, I don't think we've been as helpful as we could be as a church body in helping this flavor everything in our lives. And that's why we've been working and praying and uh, are going to introduce uh, to you next Sunday um, a discipleship cohort uh, that, that will just disciple, encourage us, hold us accountable to keeping this as the main thing uh, in our lives. And so uh, there'll be an informational meeting next Sunday at uh, 9 o'clock right in here. We're going to do it in here. And it'll be done by 10 because the worship team needs to get going. Right, Dennis? I think you're on next week. And, um, and so we're going to meet in here. I'll share with you about what it is. If you see this as helpful in you living out the calling of God upon your lives, you can sign up for it and we'll take off running uh, through that cohort for the rest of the year for those of you that jump into it. Now, part of the challenge of keeping this calling the main part of our lives is that it is a supernatural calling. And so what that means is, is when God says, I've called you to help people come to know me, I've called you to help people follow me, there's all this arguing from inside of us to God. No, you don't understand, God. 
I can't do this. Maybe even, I don't want to do this. Uh, you got the wrong person. Pick on the one sitting next to me in the pew. Call them. And so there's this arguing within. It's a common arguing. We find it from Moses and a whole bunch of people in Scripture. And, and, and the point is, no, God has the right person. It's a supernatural calling, and He's calling us to do something we're not competent in our own energies to do. And that's the beauty of it. We get to be a part of what God is doing. Julie said it so well. And once you get a taste of being a part of what God is doing, kind of outside your element, man, that floats your boat through all of life. There's just a thrill to being a part of what He does. Now, certainly there's a lot of pressures and there's a lot of external things that also prevent us from living out this calling. And so we're going to be in 2 Timothy for these next couple of weeks as we uh, continue to develop ourselves to follow the Lord Jesus and help other people. So grab something with the Scriptures on it and turn over to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and we're going to be in chapter 2 for these next few weeks. Now, here's one of the reasons I love uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, this being his final letter, tradition, church history tells us that shortly after he penned this letter, he was led out to the Appian Way there in Rome, and his head was separated from his body. He was beheaded. And then he entered into the full joy of his salvation. But part of the reason I so appreciate this is Timothy was a timid person. Timothy was not one of those who leaned into what God wanted for him. He's one of those that had to be leaned into <laughs> what God wanted. I can identify with that. I can totally identify with that. And, um, and so Paul is writing to him and again encouraging him to lean into this calling of God upon his life. And, uh, and that's what we want to look at because I think it's so relevant to you and me uh, as we continue to lean into the calling that God has for us as well. And so let, let's read verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and then we're really just going to look at verses 1 and 2 this morning, and then we'll come back to the illustrations uh, uh, next week. So why don't you stand with me, please? I know, you just got settled in there. But it's important sometimes just to change body positions to remind ourselves we're not listening to CNN, we're not listening to Fox, we're not listening to whatever your favorite news program is, we're not even listening to the Rams football game, or the Chargers, at least I don't think most of you are listening to them. <laughs> you would have stayed home this morning if you wanted to catch the fullness of that. Uh, this is the living Word of God. And it stands alone in its usefulness to each of us. So let me read. You can follow along. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlists him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory." It is a trustworthy statement. If we died with Him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Let's pray together. Oh, Father... Son and Spirit, thank you for being such a God, and we thank you that you're going to be faithful to yourself as we spend these few moments in your Word, and we thank you that's the best thing that we have going for us. And so, would you, even as Paul told Timothy, would you give us understanding of these things and application for your name's sake? And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So you could probably pick up in these verses how the Apostle Paul is saying to his spiritual son, not a biological son, uh, do not drift in your devotion to Jesus. Do not look to your own strength. Do not back down. Do not water down what is true about Jesus and the gospel because of pressure from other people. Don't become frustrated. Rather, be strong in God's grace and stay faithful to passing on what is true. In other words, be devoted to following Jesus. Be devoted to following Jesus. Now, in the first two verses there, he talks about the two essential elements of what it means to be devoted to following Jesus. Uh, One has to do with where we get our ability to do this. The other has to do with what we are to be about, what we are to give our energy to. And so he says in verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong that is in the grace which is in Christ Jesus. Now the word strong, be strong, for those of you that love grammar, and uh, appreciate languages, uh, is in a present passive imperative. Now, here's what that means. It's a command. He's not saying, uh, Timothy, if you choose to pick up this option on your contract. No, he's saying this is a command, and it's a command that you have to keep doing. It's in the present tense. You just have to keep doing it, keep doing it, and keep doing it. The passive part of it is is a part that gets a little bit tricky. 
Because what, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, is you need to live in a strength that doesn't come from within you. You need to put yourself in a place of strength. You need to receive a strength that you do not have within yourself. Now he goes on and tells Timothy where that strength is from, and it is found in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, you know that the word grace, whether we use it as saying grace or being gracious, I mean, even in our English language, it's something that we don't deserve. It's something that comes to us uh, not because of any merit that we have. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy is, is get a strength that you don't deserve. Live in a strength that it doesn't come with, from within you and it, and it is not what you deserve. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes as a gift from Him to you. And so Timothy, live in this grace. And the, and the passive sense, again, makes it a little bit tricky to know how to navigate down this path. How do I know whether I'm living in the grace that comes from Jesus or whether I'm just living in what Pat Cottrell has to offer in his suck it up mentality on life? How do I know the difference between that? And it's not always easy to navigate. Now, the illustration that Jesus used of this is of the vine and the branches, one of the illustrations, where he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me, and when you abide in me, you get things out of me. You get resources from me in order to live life and to be fruitful and, and bear fruit. Another illustration that we may think of that maybe would be helpful is, let's say uh, you want to canoe down a a fairly significant river. I don't know, 50 feet wide. Uh, not just some little stream. You know that within that river, there's places where the current runs fast. And in that river, there's what? There's dead spots. Now, when you end up in a dead spot, what do you have to do? You gotta paddle and push that canoe forward by your own strength. When you get in the current, what happens? Sometimes it's a little freaky because you're carried along by a power that you're not producing. That's what God is saying to us here. You see, the Christian life is one of changing our focus. Well, let me, let me start again on that. I didn't start that right. The Christian life is not one of less work. The Christian life is one of working with a different objective. The Christian life is not working anymore for what Pacatrell wants. It's working and laboring to stay in the strength that comes from God. And so it's not less labor. If any of you became Christians because you thought it was an easier life, I don't know what you do with this whole book. It's not. The Christian life, though, is one where we don't live in our own wisdom. We don't live in our own strength. We don't live just in our own abilities. We put ourselves in this position where we live in the grace that comes from Jesus Christ, the wisdom that comes from Christ, the power that comes from Christ. And we stay where the current is, where He is moving. 
And when we stay where the current is, we experience that. This is the message throughout the New Testament and Old Testament. So, for example, uh, going back, uh, what, 400 uh, B.C., uh, Zerubbabel went back to rebuild the temple. And when he went back to rebuild the temple, it had been destroyed um, by Nebuchadnezzar. When he went back, this word was brought to him by the prophet. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by your might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, did that mean Zerubbabel was just to put up his easy chair with an umbrella and watch God build the temple? What? No, yeah, you just respond viscerally. No, that's the stupidest idea in the world. And we know it didn't happen that way. But what was Zerubbabel to do? He was to work in the power and the might and the strength that the Spirit of God, that the Lord would give him to do that, and in the wisdom. And we can read that account, and it wasn't an easy task. But God did more through Zerubbabel than any of them could believe, and certainly the nations around him who began mocking them, well, God had the last laugh with them too. And the same thing is true when we come into the New Testament. Jesus returns to heaven. This thing is a stuckaroo, so I need some might or power from the sound booth. If you'd go to the next slide there. Yeah, thank you. Jesus goes back to heaven, and he says, okay, disciples, I just want you to know that I'm going back to heaven. This isn't time for you to pick up and start doing things in your own power and ability. I've taught you a lot. You know what I needed to teach you. But you need to understand one thing. From here on out, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And he could have said, quite frankly, if you witness not in the power of the Spirit, it's going to be bad. It's just going to be ugly. Now, sometimes God works in spite of it. But he's, it, he, you see, again, he's saying the same thing he says to Timothy. Work hard at keeping yourself in the power that comes from God. Work hard in abiding in the vine. A lot of people probably would say to the Apostle Paul, wow, you're such a great man of God. There's so much about you. And Paul would recoil, and he would say something like this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain or empty, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. What's the Apostle Paul saying? He says, I worked my tail off to stay in the place where God's grace was. And where God's grace is, he will call you to follow Him and do things, and He will provide an ability that comes through you for His great honor and glory. As he closed up the book to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6, after talking about the spiritual warfare, he says, finally be strong in what? The Lord. And in the strength of whose might? His might. Let's say this first together, in fact. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. 
Now, as I said, it can be a little bit tricky to try to figure out and navigate down uh, some of the differences between is, am I in the grace of God and is this power coming from Him or is it coming from within me? So let me give you a couple of, of just hypothetical examples here. Let's say as a pastor, I find out that someone would benefit or I think someone would benefit from me coming and visiting them. And they need a visit right now, and I'm exhausted. Now, there's a couple ways I can approach this. I could say, I'm pooped. I've been serving God. I don't care what they think. I don't care about them. I'm not going. Now, God forbid I would do that. Because, I, I mean, it doesn't get much more sinful than that, does it? That's, that just screams, me, 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 me. I could also say, um, if I don't go, they're going to think poorly of me. If I don't go, they may talk bad about me. So I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to go. Or I could say, Lord, you've made this clear that I need to go. I mean, you brought this need to my attention. I know enough about loving you and loving my neighbors as myself that this is something you would want me to do. And even though I feel like I've got nothing to offer at this point, I will follow you, I will go. Now, for the last two things that I mentioned, if I go, um, it may look very similar, but it will produce very different things especially in my own heart. Because if I go because of what people will think about me, then I have, you know, all these expectations of what they owe me or just all kinds of baggage. And probably I'm not going to be very good being there either. It's probably just not going to taste real good to them. And that would be just sucking it up in my own strength for my own reputation If I go because it's part of following Jesus, that's where grace is. That's where the wisdom and power is. And and, and if I go, when I go, there will be a grace and wisdom there to where I can give as a part of my following of Jesus. And, And God will do a ministry there that I'm incompetent to do. And And after it's over with, there will be a satisfaction in my own heart and there'll be no expectation from them. If they never say thank you, that's okay. I didn't do it for the thank you. I did it because I wanted to be in the current of God's grace and be faithful to what he's doing. So there's, there's one example of the differences. Now, a lot of you students are back in school or some of you are starting up tomorrow. What does it look like for you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus as you go to school and work academically. Now, excelling academically in any hard subject is gonna require some extra work. It's gonna require going the second mile. The question is why should you work hard to excel academically? Should you work hard to excel academically so it will go well with mom and dad? Well, that's not a bad motivation to honor your father and mother. 
Do you do it so you can make the honor roll? Do you do it so you can get into the next school? None of those are bad reasons, but, but they can be fairly self-absorbed. And they may not be in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What if you work hard academically so that you would recognize that this is a God-given opportunity, this is a part of your following of Jesus, and what a privilege you get to go to school, you get to learn things, you get to get skills developed so that you can love God and love other people better. And thus, you'll go the second mile, you'll go the third mile, because it's part of following of Jesus. Now, if you make the honor roll, hallelujah. If you don't, that's okay, you're following Jesus. You see, there's some subtle differences here, but I'm convinced they make a huge difference in the heart of the follower of Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. If you don't want to be disappointed and frustrated in life, live and be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to put up here three different ways to pray about grace in our lives. None of these are wrong, okay? But I think they will cultivate different things in our hearts. So let's say you're facing a task that you do not want to do that is in front of you or that you're freaked out about doing. Yeah, go back there. I could pray, Lord, give me the grace to uh, go visit these people when I don't want to go and I'm pooped. Lord, thank you for all the grace I need to go visit them. Or I could pray, Lord, thank you for an abundance of your grace so I can go visit them. Now, now again, none of them are wrong. But some of them cultivate more living in the grace of a relationship with Christ than the others. I think most of us pray the first way. I know I have for years. I'm, I'm trying to change the way I pray. Because it's kind of like, well, I don't know if God will give me the grace or not. What does it say? I mean, how, how many hundreds of times does it say? No, there's no question about whether there's grace for us to follow Jesus. Whether it's taking a test or visiting somebody. There's no question. So I think the first one actually adds some doubt to our lives. I think the second two take for granted that the grace is there, if we're following Jesus. Lord, thank you for all the grace I need to walk into this test and to do well because of the way I've prepared. Or, some of us need to emphasize the abundance of his grace. Lord, thank you for an abundance of your grace so I can. You see some of the subtleties of difference there? And so, the first exhortation to Timothy is to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He moves on then to some of how a uh, particular application of this in verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, Paul was specifically addressing Timothy's role in the church at Ephesus of training men to be elders and deacons. I've broadened it out because it's a calling upon all of our lives 
to train other people. And let me just put it this way. Let's pass on. Can you go to the next slide? Pass on the truth. Pass on the truth. Because you can see these two emphases in verse 2 here. You can see, first of all, that he says to be careful of the truth. Uh, The things that you've heard about me in the presence of many witnesses. One of the uniquenesses of the Christian message is that it is, it's not a secret. It's not a secret. You hear it in all kinds of public places. You don't have to whisper it into people's ears. This is what part of what the Apostle Paul said when he was on trial before the Roman uh, governor. He says, you know this wasn't done in a corner, King Agrippa. It's a, it's a public thing. We're together publicly. Uh, some of you have kids over there. They're learning together in the children's ministry this morning. I hope when you have people over and, and you have spiritual conversations around your table, that's all these things. With Timothy, the Apostle Paul would say, at this church in Ephesus, Timothy, you know that I taught publicly. You heard it as one of the congregation. I taught this from house to house, and you were in many of those houses around the table. Uh, my beloved Camilla, this aspect of the gospel being a public thing was one of the things that led to her trust in Christ. She shared this on Christmas Eve, but as a five-year-old, it dawned on her that all of the places that she went and all of the different people from different parts of the world who would stand up and preach and teach were all saying the same thing. And it's one of the things that moved her to trust Christ as her Savior. And so the truth is a public public thing. And then he says, don't only just work to keep the truth the truth, but pass it on. Pass it on in trust. Entrust it to other people. Now, long before I became a pastor, from this passage, I was told to look for fat people. Fat people. You can see it right at the end of the verse. Faithful, able, to teach others, fat people. Aren't you glad there's a place for people like me? Here's the point that Paul's making. Timothy, you have two responsibilities. Make sure the gospel stays true. And a few verses later, he's going to talk about people who have taken the resurrection out of the gospel. Make sure the gospel stays true. Make sure that you keep it from error, but also you have a responsibility to make sure it doesn't die from extinction. You have to pass this on. You have to pass this on. And so look for faithful people. Look for fat people. And these are faithful, able, and teachable. And teachable means they'll teach others as well. Now, this is not, again, a new concept. You just see these things woven throughout Scripture. Jesus gave the uh, metaphor of how you pass on the Scriptures and the Word being like seed and how you sow the seed. And he described four different soils, and the fourth soil he described was one that was a fruitful soil. Go on to the next slide there, if you would, please. 
And it says, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. And so Paul is saying, man, keep yourself in the current of the strength that comes from living in the grace of God. And concerning the gospel, make sure you keep it accurate, make sure you keep it truthful, and make sure you pass it on to others who are going to reproduce, who others who are going to multiply and help others come to know Christ as well. I am very convinced that one of the great works of Satan throughout church history is to get followers of Jesus like me on spiritual birth control. To get us to thinking we can faithfully follow Jesus, but we don't have to reproduce. Now, in the next three illustrations that we'll look at next week, he tells us the forms that we end up on spiritual birth control. Suffering, becoming entangled in the world, not playing according to the rules, moral failure, and not working hard. And some of us have, I mean, we've, we've, we're those. And my plea with all of us include myself, is let's get off spiritual birth control. And let's see if God might put people across our paths this coming year that right now they don't know Jesus. But through our praying, through our laboring, through our inadequacies, but our working hard to stay living in the grace of God, being faithful to what is the true gospel and passing that gospel on, when New Year's Eve comes this coming year, God will have been pleased to have brought two people into a relationship with us, with Him through us. Can God do that? Yeah. Now some of, some have never experienced that. Well, let this be the year, and that'd be cool. Some, it's been a while. And some of you, it's like throwing meat to a hound dog right now. I really want to encourage those of you who just can't believe God would use you that way. And saying, that's why Paul wrote to Timothy. That's why he's given us these words for us today. He can I'm convinced he wants two. Maybe it won't be two. Maybe it'll be one. Maybe it'll be five. That's his deal. But our deal is to keep ourselves in the grace of God, to keep the truth the truth, and to pass it on. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We ask that you would give us understanding in these truths. And thank you for a chance to continue to live and serve you. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.